So I do, I do think that place brand strategists get, have to get into conversation with their colleagues to find out what is going on, what are they thinking, is it being taken seriously, who are the politicians who are advocating it, who are the naysayers standing in the way, and get this debate happening. Welcome to the Adapting Places podcast. This will be part two of my conversation with Malcolm Allen from Bloom Consulting around the climate emergency and place branding. Uh, we talk about uh, leadership that can be displayed by those that have already switched on to how the climate emergency should be a part of place branding strategies. Uh, but also, uh, we discuss a book that we pre-read before our discussion uh, called The Madhouse Effect by Michael Mann and Tom Tolles, which covers the stages of climate change denial. And we talk about how the different levels and different arguments uh, of denialism can be actually attacked uh, by those that want to change minds for the better. So uh, by, I think that's kind of around the end of the conversation. But at the beginning, there is also a discussion about green rankings uh, for place brands and how that might work. So I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Uh, let's start with, I guess it's, it would be natural to ask, obviously you do rankings, uh, and then if there is going to be a way of evaluating, even if it's not just in pure monetary terms, the kind of the, the green actions of places, do you foresee a, a green index? And then if you can talk about the pitfalls in that, thinking about exaggeration and potential, you know, uh, if you're going to be doing, you know, if your company is going to be doing the ranking, how would you ensure that that's kind of a, a reliable resource so it's not a part of the greenwashing agenda? How can actually, how can right. it help uh, raise the awareness for the need of transformation then, rather than just be like, oh, we're green, great, compared to the worst ones, we're all right. <laughs> I I think you're right. I think we're moving towards perhaps more than just inching towards the value of creating a reliable and realistic and accurate uh, index of whether it's greenness, sustainability or mitigation. Um, and that index I think has to be thought through in terms of, well, what are the measures? What are the primary measures uh, that we want to collect data on? And then how do we collect that data and from whom? And generally speaking, uh, places tend to be very good at collecting data about expenditure because public expenditure has loads of controls, it has auditing, um, places spend money on the things they agree are policy uh, imperatives, and they're held to account on that. And that's accepted. There's a whole 
concept in psychology of accounting that no one argues about and that people are held to account on that. So misspending, spending on the wrong things are highlighted in the press. People are held to account for that. In order to have a, an effective green index, we need to, I think, think about what is it we want to measure. Um, and it seems to me that we would, we would be initially beginning to measure what I would call damage, damage to public health, damage to the environment, um, damage to the economy, uh, damage to air quality, damage to the quality of water resource, uh, how is pollution being created and what, what are the, what are, what's the scale of damage and how do we measure that? And equally, to be thinking about the costs of mitigation in relation to that damage, because although some of the authors in this field consistently say that mitigation is cheaper than the costs of inaction. I, I do think that, and, and I'm sharing with you the fact that, I mean, I'm, I'm struggling with this at the moment and I'm thinking my way through it. So it's not, I'm not describing to you an absolute fully developed model, but I, I do think that we can equally uh, look at the end, what I might call the index of concern. I wouldn't go as far as to call it the index of fear. And it, it's what, what people are saying that we can find out about through published work, uh, broadcasts, the internet, um, looking at searches on say Google and Baidu for the things that concern people about climate change, the things that concern them about lack of mitigation. Um, and we can begin to identify those concerns as maybe a yardstick to begin to say, okay, what contributes to those concerns? What activities, what, in, what policies, what um, land use management, transportation management, economic management contributes towards those levels of concern because they're generating issues around about public health, about quality of air, about quality of water, whatever it is, the, the quality versus cause versus mitigation issues, I think, are going to be at the heart of this. And I think, well, certainly city managements, let alone place branders, should be beginning to think this through. Quite a lot of place branding history is that they place branders take what others have done and have produced and try to promote it, market it, and make it more coherent. I don't think place branders should be standing by and waiting for this to be done. I think they need to get into it because the, the asset that they bring to public places to nations, to cities, whatever it is, is their understanding of how to look at how the world thinks about the place, how to measure the scale of concern or the scale of liking for the place, um, to look at how people look at brands. Because it, it essentially, I mean, people in product branding would tell you, um, a brand is a demonstration of the trust, the way you think about a brand is the way you think about your trust in the brand. 
Do you trust the brand to do what it says, to deliver on what it says? So place brands are going to say we're going to be greener, more sustainable, we're going to be more coherent, we're going to mitigate the effects of climate change. Then they've got to both understand the action they've got to take and they've got to understand how they're going to measure it and how they're going to analyze those measurements. Um, and I think that's the whole ball game or ballpark um, that the industry uh, big, has to begin to concentrate on now and think about. And again, back to the whole issue about people thinking it's in the future. Um, because many authorities haven't taken it seriously, they're just not spending the power, they're not spending the money on the time of experts within their workforces or experts from outside consultancies, whatever, universities, to begin to explore these issues. And I just think that we need to take a lead because places where we live, places where the majority of human beings on earth will continue to have their lives. So if we want to continue to have places that have aspects of danger as a result of these issues, as opposed to places that are only but truly becoming safer in these terms, um, then, then we've got to take this as a priority um, and we'll need these tools to be developed because for no other reason than this, we need to know what the indices are, we need to know what we'll be doing that we can measure to prove it's having an effect because other than that, the deniers of climate change and those who have an economic interest in denying it will, will mount campaigns against this happening um, and will politicize it. The one thing that may that your answer made me think about is uh, okay, so we're gonna we can measure and have indices, and they could be perceptually based. You know, there there could be something, and then how can that then be transformed into central ideas, as we talked about uh, initially, kind of into ideas that have qualitative grab? Uh, that because historically, I, I feel from the the things that I know place branding has tended in its communication to be about positive things and, yeah. and would we have to spin things into a positive or how would we transform even if we had the tools about what needs to be done how does that get that transformation and how does it get communicated back to audiences well you're quite right i mean if you think about tourism branding it's it's effectively marketing experiences that are pleasurable and if you think about inward investment branding it's marketing investments that will have a good rate of return and if you think about human talent development the initiatives of the nordics for example coming together it's it's about marketing the benefits of self-development that you'll get through better qualification, better training, better skills, better work experience. So all of these, if you like, key facets or key threads of place branding and marketing are about benefit. Feeling better, emotionally better, having good experiences, getting a better return on your capital invested, getting a better wage as a result of your training. The 
challenge we've got is that if we don't take these actions that I've been talking about, then the quality of those experiences is going to change. They are going, the quality will be threatened. The potential profitability of those experience offers and providers will be threatened. But because all the projections about significant increases in damage are at least 10 years or more away, those who are responsible for promoting place, ultimately the politicians who are elected uh, to better manage or to do good by the place, have got pressing current economic issues to deal with. And I, I think what's happening and will persist in happening unless there's a sea change in attitudes, is that it will not get the level of attention and seriousness it deserves until it gets much worse, by which point in time the costs of inaction will be significantly greater than the costs of mitigation. Uh... I did remember that was one of the key insights for me, just for him to be able to put uh, the climate emergency into a monetary perspective that's also very easy to remember. Uh, I think this quote, uh, the the cost of inaction will be significantly higher than the cost of mitigation is something that I took away and I will keep as a, as a mantra to anybody that wants to make uh, an economic argument against acting on the climate emergency when it comes to place brand strategies. And I'll also put this quote back at the end of the podcast just to double down because I think it really summarizes quite well the position of Malcolm. Obviously, it doesn't reduce the whole talk, this quote, but it's a really good quote. And it's really to set aside all around all of that marketing um, so that's of tourism of investment of environment of human talent development if you like a fourth uh, strand to the strategy which is in addition to that we're trying to make the place safer um, and linking all of those is our strategy to be greener, more sustainable, and where we can, and the costs of mitigation are shown to be cheaper than the costs of inaction. We're taking action to ensure that that experience of the tourism is maintained. We're taking action to make sure that the old historic cities you're going to come and see are not going to get flooded or badly affected by smog or, or whatever it is. Um, we're going to take action to stop the uh, or mitigate the effects of the bushfires, for example, in Australia or California, where significant costs as a result of inaction are being inflicted on the tourism sector, the food and wine sector, tourism, as well as places that are people are living. 
So I, I think it's about introducing the need to strategize on this in terms of making the future of the tourism, the inward investment, the quality of environment, the heritage uh, that much safer. And I think that's the way to think about it. It's not to stop all that happening, but it's for all that to be informed by what we're finding about uh, best ways to mitigate climate change and develop the indices to show how it will affect tourism, how it will affect environment. And those effects essentially are to both reduce the scale of the, the damaging impacts and as a result of that, make the place safer so that the level of tourism can continue or can grow. Um, now, that's how I would have thought about it, continue to think about it before COVID-19. What we have to look at are, can we begin to do this even, although, even while we're tackling the, uh, the emergency of COVID-19 and looking at ways to mitigate the economic impact of the decline in tourism or the decline in investment? These should not be reasons to not think about, and not to begin to plan to add this fourth strand uh, to the, um, the the brand strategy. I think people have to begin to find time to do this, as well as rescue mission work on the brand. Okay. Yeah, definitely makes sense if you start thinking about it from the perspective of, of accountability and safety in the future. I think that's that can be helpful. But that will kind of thinking about the earlier discussion around a place brand helping uh, public sector, private sector, community groups get together. Uh, where do you think most of this would fall as a responsibility? <clears throat> well, the, the public sector, certainly in this country and in many westernized countries, has a duty by law to, to plan, to create clean air, to guarantee clean water, to guarantee the quality of housing in terms of building standards, to guarantee public health, to guarantee um, education systems. It has a function given by law and then current practice and professional ability to do all of that. By comparison, I know of no country where there is legislation requiring the government or the city council to do place branding and place brand strategy. And that's quite important because the responsibilities are going to fall to all of the other core functions of government to get their heads around. They're going to have to spend money on this um, and they're going to have to create policies that encourage private investors, developers of housing or buildings, smart, smart buildings, um, the providers of public infrastructure, the managers of airports, etc. So the public sector policy makers, the public sector infrastructure providers, the service providers, um, 
and the private contractors, the private investors that create the environment, uh, they're all going to have to take part. They're all going to have to spend money on this. Uh, consumers, I think, will, will want to know that that action is being taken, that they are buying products that are sustainable, that they are buying housing uh, that isn't going to get flooded. They are buying housing um, that is going to be green, that will cost them less to live in. Um, but I think the substantive action is going to have to take place in the public sector. That makes sense. Um, and then I guess the final thing, some, let me just check what I had in my questions. I wanted to ask. Oh yeah, I guess we did mention the, the example of Bristol as a city in the UK. Um, do you think there is any other examples globally of places at any scale that might be doing things in a generally good direction uh, worth mentioning? Yeah, um, the one that stands out in my mind, and I have to admit that I've worked for this country, is Costa Rica. Uh, the, world, the world mainly knows Costa Rica as a very green place. It's a, a place of sustainable tourism. Um, it's a place that has built on that and looked at sustainability in its many regards and is looking at being a completely stable, sustainable ecosphere, eco, eco if you like, a, a complete economy that is actually understanding the impact of climate change, understanding what it needs to do to preserve its resources, understanding the whole issue of green pr production of energy, understanding how you build buildings to minimize waste, to minimize their use of energy, to maximize their use of wind and solar power, towns and cities on coasts, looking at issues of wave energy. And it, it's, it's a government that's really grasped it by the nettle. Um, and it's a people uh, through working with the media, through working with civic and community society, as well as major companies uh, that has come together to recognize that this is the way the country will survive. This is the way the, the country will have a future. And the, the cities are involved in this. And if, if, if the world's looking for a country and an approach to public-private sector partnership that is actually beginning to tackle these issues, then Costa Rica is the place to go and look at and a place to go and visit. Okay, that makes sense. And then just something to take away as a... So I've definitely taken away that, you know, the. I think the thinking about these problems as problems of accountancy and public safety that are duties by law is something I, I, I haven't thought about before. So I'll take this with me. But is there any kind of simple uh, next steps or rules of thumb that you'd recommend for somebody that wants to engage in this discussion internally or with partners uh, as there maybe they haven't even been able to voice this, uh, you know, as a, as a playground manager, where do you start from? Okay, um, 
I think the first thing to find out about is very practical terms. Um, what are, what are, given that most place branders are in a public body or agency or arm's length agency, whatever, that they're subject to public control, find out what other departments, other service providers are doing about climate mitigation. Find out what their views on moving to a more green and sustainable economy are. And on the basis of that, perhaps being the champions of the debate inside the organization, basically saying, come on, guys, the, the public, the hundreds of millions of them around the world are far better informed about this than we ever thought we would ever be. These books are being read, debates are being had, and they are going to begin to ask us tough searching questions about how we are planning to ensure our places are more sustainable, whether it's through green technology, climate change mitigation, whatever they are, we are, we are going to have to deal with this. And it's, it's all very well, my bit, promoting the city as a heritage, a culture, a place to study, a place to visit, a tourism destination, a cultural destination, a place to come, live, work and play. And we're saying nothing about our recognizing the challenges before us. We're saying nothing about what we're going to put in place. So it will first of all show them, are they, are they alone or are they amongst a group of people who are already beginning to think about this? Are actions already being taken that they can draw upon and promote. Um, it's very interesting you know, being in Australia earlier this year, working on the Australian national brand and 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 looking at and here looking at the damage caused by the wildfires and listening to the debate about future mitigation. The way they're going about planning to minimize the scale of damage they've had, they, they're not kidding themselves and saying in the future this won't happen they know it will happen again their planning is to minimize the impact of it happening and they're drawing upon some characteristics of the australian nation it's not a place brand it's a nation brand that's being developed and they're drawing upon their ability to deal with crisis of this nature they're drawing upon their innovation, their creativity, their optimism, their characteristic mateship, if you like. Um, and they're finding ways of kind of bringing people together to say, okay, it's happened once. It's not that it won't happen again, but we've really got to deal with this because the tourism industry has been significantly affected by this. It, towns have been burnt down. Destinations have been significantly burnt up. Therefore, the tourism sector has got to get involved in this. People handling city, nation, region, branding strategy, marketing strategy have to get involved in it. Now, how it will pan out, I don't know. It's in embryo stages at the moment, but good work is being done. It's a good example to draw upon. Um, so I do, I do think that place brand strategists 
get have to get into conversation with their colleagues to find out what is going on, what are they thinking, is it being taken seriously, who are the politicians who are advocating it, who are the naysayers standing in the way, and get this debate happening. And then they can begin to look at ways in which um, they can protect those kind of strands, those, those assets of the brand strategy. And I don't think it's for place brand strategists to tell, say, for example, tourism operators what they should be doing. I do, however, think that tourism sectors should be encouraged to think about not just recovery from COVID, but mitigation of damage in the future as a result of climate change. And then they can promote the fact that they're serious, that they're taking these actions, it will be a safe place, and actually it's safer to come to town or city X, Y and Z than somewhere down the road or another country. That's great. Uh, and I guess just as a wrapping thing, because I did mention Warren, that I'm not going to give that much air to the climate denialism, but you did mention the naysayers. So we'll we'll discuss after we discuss this whether we keep it in the in the main podcast. But um, you're mentioning it so as a, as a practical thing to identify naysayers. Uh, but do you think it's going to be useful for people to know the, the seven stages of uh, the forms of arguments that might be used? Um, against climate change. I, I found that quite practical from the Madhouse, uh, what was it called? The Madhouse Effect book by Michael Mann and Tom Tolles. So it's like, yeah. if, if you encounter someone in your organization using any of the, like the globe isn't warming, globe is warming, but it's not, it's natural, uh, or it's called, it's caused by humans, but it's minimal, or it's like, they can, they can say it will be good for us, you know, it's going to get warmer, or someone might say it's too expensive to do anything about it or there's going to be a simple technological fix like if that's like a mapping of the of the naysayers would that be a helpful thing to even think about as someone that's going to have to do something to solve it rather than address the trolls and the naysayers well i i think my my own thinking has been influenced by reading the book and understanding that there are those seven levels and or seven different ways in which naysayers try and dispute climate change and the need for action. I think the important thing is, is for people who are marketing, promoting the brand offer of places to understand that if they are including in that offer the action that's being taken to mitigate climate change, then they need to understand those kinds of techniques those kind of disruptive behaviors that they're going to have to deal with in trying to get this through the system, through public accountability, through public budgeting processes. They, chief officers, permanent secretaries of departments and civil servants, ministers, politicians, local government leaders, need to understand that they are going to have to become expert in countering those kind of arguments. And back to a point I mentioned at the beginning of the interview, it's about getting the data that helps you to substantiate the position you're taking. It equally helps you to call into question the arguments used by the naysayers. Equally, you need to have the indices we've talked about 
we need to understand uh, what the data is telling us about the scale of damage to environment. We need to understand the scale of benefit from making the investments, which are either to reduce the, the problem or to take some effect, uh, some mitigating effect that improves quality. Uh, the two go hand in hand. And so therefore, for me to simplify it as a final point is get into the debate, understand who your allies are, know what your place is already doing, know what mitigating effects you're likely to have to take, know what action is going to cost, identify the reductions in problem and the increase in benefits and rest your case. Case rested, uh, very good conversation. And as promised, I will put Malcolm's quote here again, just so that we can focus on the cost that the climate emergency will have if we don't act. The costs of inaction will be significantly greater than the costs of mitigation. A big thank you to the Place Brand Observer for organizing this talk with Malcolm uh, for all of the podcasts that are available on the Place Brand Observer. Go to placebrandobserver.com 